I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Hello, everyone. Today, we're talking about something that many people swear doesn't happen, and that's hair discrimination. Surely you've heard of the Crown Act. It's a law in seven states that prohibits discrimination based on hairstyle and hair texture. It sounds crazy that this is even needed, right? But people like my next guest know that being bullied about your hair can affect your job. And for Black women can mean continued trauma on something we've always been ridiculed over our hair. Okay. Yay. So just tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Awesome. So my name is Jessica and I am a corporate training manager by day and entrepreneur by night. So for my day work, I help sellers become better sellers, essentially training them as they come onto the job uh, and getting them equipped with our company's processes and products, etc. And then uh, five to nine, I'm an entrepreneur and I own a business called Nacho Average Fro. It is a lifestyle design company that helps high achievers to achieve fulfillment after doing all the things they felt were expected of them. Let's like start from the beginning of your career journey. What did you go to school for? What was your dream job? So I went to school for marketing. I also have a minor in international business. So I did a couple of study abroad trips while I was in school. One just to get the experience and another to do an immersive language program. So I actually studied Mandarin for a while. Sadly, I don't remember a lot of it because, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. But uh, it was a great experience nonetheless. So that's my background. And when I was in school, my dream job I thought was related to marketing was actually related to advertising. And I didn't realize that at the time. But I watched the movie Boomerang and literally like fell in love with the work that Eddie Murphy and Robin Gibbons were doing, like pitching all these ideas to corporate execs and doing commercials and all of this stuff. Like that really excited me. And I saw that movie and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. Like that's where I'm going. And so I got a business degree in marketing and then realized once I got out into the corporate world that really that's more of like advertising and communication. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kind of had like not the exact background for that particular role. And that 
that led me into sales, actually. I really never wanted to be in sales, honestly. Growing up, my dad was in sales, so I think it's something that was just instilled in me, but it just wasn't super appealing to me. But when I graduated college, it was hard to get a job. I graduated in 2012. I was struggling with the marketing background because for most marketing jobs, it's like you're going into retail, you're going into sales, right? You're going into like entry-level business management. And what those jobs were paying, I'm like, I can't afford to like live on my own and take this job. Mm -hmm. Could have lived with my parents, but my, my parents were also like, okay, it's time, you know, it's time for you to get out on your own and all that stuff. And so when I got the opportunity for the sales position, they were offering me like 70K plus years, you know, after commission and all that stuff. And so it just seemed like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I can do it. And then it was a big enough company. Uh, I went to a Fortune 10 company. So okay. it was big enough that it was like, I can always maneuver around. So I applied for this sales leadership development program, got in, and they did about six months of training with us. And then we went into our official roles uh, where we were full-time sellers. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. So you were making 70K out of college? <laughs> I was making 40K base with okay. the potential to make 70K. So they definitely sold me like, you can make $70,000. However, I will say I came very close that first year. Um, and and I was making six figures before I was like 28. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let yeah. <laughs> me just like get my head together about this. This is so, uh, I'm in shock actually because <laughs> that is amazing. And I graduated like the year before you. So this is uh -huh. very relevant in terms of what was going on, you know, economically. And I'm just, my mind is blown as a person who was making nothing, didn't negotiate like, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm really excited for you and want to know more about this. Let's go back. So sales, a lot of people get got, should I say it was sales. Mm -hmm. I know as a journalism major, a lot of my fellow students got into sales. Cause that was just, I think it was like, can you communicate yes. writing and speaking? Perfect. We want you. And so I feel like a lot of people went in that direction. But for anything that's enticing, how do you not get caught in it longer than you want? We all have these ideas like, I'm going to take this job and it's going to be a pathway to what I really want to do. But for a lot of USers, like we never actually get there because we get caught up in what we're comfortable in. Honestly, I spent much longer than I would have liked in that position. I spent about five years in sales, mm -hmm. just grinding it out, you know, so the compensation was there. Like I was making good money, which was phenomenal, but I was also like super stressed. You know, I wasn't really in the position that I wanted to be in. I just didn't feel like I was enjoying the life I was creating. Mm -hmm. Like I have all this stuff, but I'm not super fulfilled, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and with the stress, I didn't know how to handle it. I wish in college they would have given us the skills to manage stress before going into the corporate world or even in my leadership program. Mm -hmm. I didn't have those tools. And so I defaulted to just eating. I learned that that's my stress habit. So it's like, I'm doing really well and I appear to have this super amazing life, right? But at the same time, I'm coming home every day and I just not comfortable in my own body, all of this stuff. So I learned very late, like how, how do I maneuver? How do I get out of this particular position? And so I found myself there much longer than I had anticipated. What did a fulfilling job look like to you? I love teaching. And it's so funny because I took aptitude tests when I was a kid and they would say, you're going to be a teacher. And I hated that. I was like, I don't want to be a teacher, you know? <laughs> 
know, like it didn't seem like this really prestigious role, Mm -hmm. which is why I think sales was also appealing. It was like, oh, you can make this money and go on all these trips, right? And so I strayed away from that. But what I realize now is like, I love teaching. I love taking what I know and helping people understand it. Certainly things where I get to engage with people. So sales did give me that opportunity. I was in outside sales. So I was constantly going to see customers, giving, getting some opportunity to travel locally within my city, spend a lot of time in the car, um, <laughs> you know, and so those were some big facets for me. And then I think also just knowing that my work has deeper impacts, like on a personal level, that mm. became really important to me. And when I figured those things out, that's when I finally made the transition into being a corporate trainer. And so now I actually teach sellers who went through the same program that I went through almost 10 years ago and not only teach them like the skills of the job, but I get to pour into them what I feel like I didn't get when I was going through that same program. Yeah. So what are you talking to them about? You know, when I joined the program, I was like 21. And like, of course, back then, I mean, we were just drinking like that was how we were managing stress. Yeah. And even today I see the sellers that I train, like that's how they're managing stress. They're fresh out of college, right? They just go get drunk. And so I tell them like, find hobbies. You know, I think that that would have gone a long way. Just having something that I felt like I could do. I didn't really know what to do. So it was like, well, what is everybody else doing? So finding hobbies, I think is one thing and being comfortable trying out new stuff, right? Not feeling like you have to do everything perfectly the first time you try Mm -hmm. it, but just getting out there, like what does the world have to offer? And maybe stumbling upon something you really enjoy or reconnecting with something you did as a child, which was my scenario. I ended up getting back into playing the piano, Um, but also having a health and wellness regimen, exercise, Exercise, eating, and then also just time to yourself, time to disconnect and unplug. You know, we sell telecommunication services. So we're, I mean, we have like three devices that we carry with us at all times. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about technology all day long. So I think for everyone that's important, but it's it's even more important for the people I teach because you're surrounded by technology all day you have to have some way to disconnect. I definitely have that struggle too as somebody who works in social media and then I'm supposed to take a break from social media. What? (laughs) Like it's my job to know what's happening. So it is difficult to draw the line for yourself. And I love your point about, you know, having hobbies. I think these generations currently operating in the workforce right now feel like anything that you are doing outside of your nine to five has to also be bringing you an income. It has to be the way that you're going to get to another career. Mm -hmm. And I actually have seen comments on that on social, like, why don't you do something just for fun? Something that is not going to get you any money. You just enjoy doing it, like painting or reading or, you know, whatever people's hobbies are. And I think we've definitely gone away from that. For sure. I mean, I think with the influencer culture combined with how frustrated people are with corporate America, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, let me just find that thing. If I can find my niche, right, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, then I can get out of this. And so it takes the joy, I think, out of just pure creation, Mm -hmm. which I think is important for human beings to just have a lane where they can be expressive without having to worry about compensation. Right. So tell me what sticks out to you about your experience in sales. How were you treated? What what were your experiences like on a day-to-day? So this is where my hair journey, I think, comes into play. It was like a hodgepodge, I would say, like very high highs, very low lows in some instances. But when I started out in the program, uh, like I said, I was fresh out of college. 
college and I also had just done a big chop and I was super insecure. You know, so I'm 20 years old. I've always had a perm. I've always had straight hair. Growing up in school, I went to a predominantly white school where I was like maybe one of two black kids in the classroom. And so, you know, there were just always conversations about my hair or we would put on like a play and it was like, no one really know how to do my hair. Right. So there was just always something. And then, you know, you want to feel included and like you're a part of a community. And so I, I felt uncomfortable a lot with my hair not being relaxed. Um, so I was shedding all of that right before coming into corporate and my parents were very concerned. They were like, maybe you should look at wigs or maybe you should wear a weave. Like, we just don't know if it's the best thing for you or how you're going to be perceived coming in there, you know, with this very short natural cut. And I was just very adamant, like, no, you know, I was like, it's a new world, you know, like this is 2012, you know, like I was like, no, it's going to be great. They're so accepting. Well, I get into my role and um, I have a black woman as a boss, actually. Okay. I thought, okay, that's, you know, like, this is cool. It's going to be fine. And actually the way that they had us set up, we came in with another class. So it was like two classes at once learning together. And that class also had a black woman as their manager. So I really felt like I was going to be accepted. But both of those women, one of them wore a weave and one of them wore her hair straight. And so... I think they shared a similar perception of my parents. Like there is a certain way that we are supposed to present ourselves in corporate America. And I was probably a couple months into the program. It was six months in total. And I remember my boss started making comments to me about my hair. And we had like a one-on-one meeting where she said to me, you know, it's just really important that you make people feel comfortable and you don't want to create a scenario where right off the bat, they're feeling uncomfortable or, you know, they feel like they can't really connect with you. And I didn't know at all how to process that, but I just was, I just felt like, well, I mean, I feel like my hair shouldn't matter. I'm a good salesperson. If I know what I'm talking about, if I'm, if I speak well, all that stuff, like it shouldn't matter. And so I kept my hair as it was. And then one day after hours, I was leaving the office late for some reason. And she saw me like across the hallway and she yells out to me and she goes, when are you going to do something with your hair? And nobody else was around, but I was so mortified. I'm like emotional now. Just thinking about it again. I was so mortified. I, I'm not kidding you. That night I went and got my hair pressed. And then a few weeks later I got a weave. What? I was so, I was just, I, I, I can't even express the word. I just remember like she said that to me and I just got in the elevator and went downstairs and I was like, okay, I have to do something and came back on Monday. That was like on Friday. I came back on Monday and had my hair was straight and she didn't have anything to say to me. You know, she was very pleased. So I went almost the remainder of the program with a weave after that. And right before the end, I was like, man, I'm so tired of this. Like it's itchy and it's not, it's not comfortable. Like I just was so frustrated. I didn't feel like myself. So I took it out and I went to this stylist and I had her give me a faux hawk. It was like very bold. 
Uh And I came into this meeting that we were having. It was like a closing ceremony. It was our team. Our boss was there and her boss was there. And her boss was like an older white woman. And we are walking into the room. My boss sees me and she was speechless. Like you could just see all over her face. Even my peers were like, oh my gosh, you can tell she is so upset right now that like what you've done with your hair. And as soon as I walk into the room right past her, her boss is standing there. And I say hi to her and she goes, oh my gosh. I love your hair. And that was like, it was so comforting and validating. And so I was like, yes, like this woman, this woman is white. (laughs) She's older, right? And she loves my hair. She doesn't have a bad thing to say, you know, and who knows what happened behind closed doors. I personally don't really care, but it was just so affirming, you know? And so I left that program, continued to wear my natural hair, went into my first role in Corpus Christi. And I got there. The first day I was there, my boss was not there. This is a white male, my boss. And um, then when he comes back into the office from his vacation, he was kind of like, not really like talking to me. And I don't know, in my head, I just started running through like, oh my God, you know, is it my hair? Is he uncomfortable? Like I started thinking about all the conversations and stuff that she had said to me while I was in the program. And it made me very, very, very self-conscious. And so I remember that first week Mm -hmm. when he got back, he didn't speak to me at all. And I just thought that was so weird. Like, I'm brand new to your team. Why wouldn't you like talk to me, take me out to lunch, whatever. And so I thought it must be my hair. And so that weekend I went out and I bought a wig. What? Okay. Girl, when I came back on Monday, I had a wig on and I kid you not, he was so friendly. And he and I still have a a, a good relationship. We've never had a conversation about what transpired then. You know, looking back, I can recognize that he had just got back from vacation. You know, he was in sales, still in a crazy place. Mm -hmm. It could have had nothing to do with me. But from the experience that I had had previously, that is where my mind went. And so I started wearing wigs for, I think I wore wigs for about a year in that role before I decided to go back natural again. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that your old boss actually gave you the trauma that she had Mm. from years. I don't know how old she was, but from years working in an environment where she probably wasn't treated well because of her hair. Passed it to you, even though you didn't even need to have it. There was no issue, really. It was just her, you know, setting it in your lap. And then now you carry that trauma into your other roles. Right. Yeah, it was, it was wild, you know? So it's like on top of, I'm fresh out of school. I'm in my first corporate job right now. I'm like worried about my hair, worried about my appearance, worried about what people are thinking about my hair. It's like, none of this should matter. Yeah. You should be worried about doing your job well. Exactly. And climbing the ladder if that's what you choose to do. So did you feel like she was threatening you? I did. When she yelled across the room? Yeah. It just seemed like, wow, what an inappropriate way for you to address this with me. And I guess maybe she was fed up. (laughs) That was like the best way she would just share it with me. You know, I don't know if seeing me every day that way got under her skin, you know, maybe it brought up insecurities for her. And so she just like let it out. But it was the most inappropriate way for her to address me. But I don't know that she'll ever know like the impact that that had on me. Well, maybe you should send her this. Maybe. It's a learning moment. It's a learning moment. Maybe she didn't know what she was doing. Obviously, she had had her own trauma, right? So we can definitely see that and and understand that 
for sure, a hundred percent, she probably had many situations where she felt uncomfortable or pressured to change her hair. But it doesn't give her any right to, I mean, disrespect you in that way. I can't imagine. I don't care if no one was in the room. Someone screaming across the room to me to do anything. Actually, I'm gonna yeah. say, let alone something so sensitive. Um, something is really sensitive for Black women is our hair, and she knows that. <laughs> She knew that. And to do that in that way, when you said it, sound very threatening to me. Like, or else what? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> right. Am I going to lose my job? And again, it's like my parents had already warned me. You know, mm -hmm. they came of age in the 70s and 80s when froze were very popular. Yeah. So they've dealt with their own kind of backlash, if you will. And so I really felt like, oh, my gosh, could I lose my job over this? I think it's important for people to understand the damage that they've done just because she's probably managing someone else right now. <laughs> many wow. other people and many people after you, right? And so yeah. I hope that one day she hears this or something around this topic and it makes her think about her own actions. For sure. And still work for the same company, just in a different position. And um, mm -hmm. that's why I think this work is also just so important to me. I wear my natural hair. I've been wearing my natural hair pretty much since that first year mm -hmm. in my sales role. So I went into other sales roles with my hair um, and I came into my training role. And you know, what's funny is like from year one to year two, I went from being like a mediocre seller to being a top performer on my team, winning trips. Like I think my confidence was so boosted coming into work every day, just being myself and feeling comfortable in my own skin. And that's when I saw my success in sales skyrocket. So when I am around these sellers, especially those that are black, I'm like, you know, I want you to learn how to be comfortable in your own skin because people do business with people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like yourself and if you don't feel confident, it's going to show in the way that you do your work. This perception of have to look a certain way, act a certain way is the reason why corporate is so stressful for everybody who's in it, right? Like yeah. it has a reputation for being, you know, not flexible. So do you feel like that's changing from what you've can view? Is there shifts happening? Are people still dealing with the same old mess? I think that we've put a very nice spin on the same old, same old. Like, I think that we've got these buzzwords, diversity and inclusion and all of this stuff. And I do think that we're making strides, right? This isn't 1960. However, there is still a pressure that people feel to conform because they believe if they don't look like their leaders, and sometimes their leaders look nothing like them, have no similarities in their background, then they will not be able to advance. So it's like, yes, we are bringing in more people. We are getting more of this melting pot in the corporate culture, but are people really being advanced? Are people seeing themselves in their leadership? And do they actually feel comfortable being themselves? And for the company I work for, I think there's just still a lot of progress to be made. I'm wondering if the Crown Act has actually encouraged more Black women to wear their hair the way they want to, or is it just really covering people legally and people still feel the social pressure? Yeah, I I mean, I think at the end of the day, businesses are not people, you know, so they're covering themselves. And so I think I should say people may feel more comfortable coming into work as their natural selves, but that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily change who they come into contact with in the organization. There's a lot of people listening who don't fully understand why hair is such a big deal with black women. <laughs> um, in your perception, can you share with people the emotional weight of 
our hair. <laughs> the way I would describe it is like, I think everybody feels some level of connection to their hair, but our community group, we've often been encouraged to do something different with it, right? So like there are people of other races who have curly hair, but they're not always encouraged to straighten it the way that women of our community are. And I think that it shifts our perception of beauty it shifts our perception of good enough and acceptable. And so when you grow up seeing people who don't look like you and also not being given the opportunity to appreciate the way that you look, it chips at your self-confidence, right? It chips at your ability to feel comfortable in your own skin because one of the things that is part of my appearance one of the things that i can do to style and kind of change up my look right and and play around with i've been told has to look a certain way so i think it's part of that expression all of us need to feel the ability to fully express ourselves and hair is a big part of that whether you choose to cut it all off or grow it long right it is a part of that and there is restriction that we feel which then means there's always going to be this part of me that can never be fully expressed because it's not acceptable and it's not good enough. It definitely feels like a control mechanism. Yeah. And why you might see this particularly for Black women is the way to then rebel against that, like you can't control me, is for us to switch our hairstyles every other day, every week. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. I'm going to show up and I'm going to have different color hair. I'm going to have a piece on. It's going to be straight. It's going to be huge. <laughs> like, you know, keep you guessing. And that's a way for us as a larger group of people to take back control over our lives and our bodies. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And I love that. Like, I love that more people are embracing the way that they are. You know, it's important. It's important for you to just feel comfortable no matter where you go. It has a ripple effect in every single aspect of your life. So I love that. What advice would you give people who don't feel comfortable or accepted, you know, wearing their hair the way that they choose? What should they be doing in their workplaces? I mean, my first thought is like, do it, you know, like <laughs> do it because it's so freeing. It's so empowering. And I I think that you will be pleasantly surprised, you know, much like I was when I came into that meeting that day and my boss's boss said, oh my gosh, I love your hair. I was also surprised when I started wearing my natural hair and my customers were extremely receptive. Like I said, I had my best sales year. Like people were much more receptive than I expected. And I think the reality is in the corporate world, Yes, who you know matters, but you still have to be able to back it up with the work. So wear your hair and then do the work to show you are competent. You know what you're doing. And it's going to be harder and harder for people to care about your hair, but it's going to be important for you to wear your hair to feel confident enough to do the work. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Jessica's story reminds us that some bias can be unconscious and that sometimes our biggest criticizers can be our own people. Mm -mm -mm. What other damaging standards are we enforcing in our workplaces subconsciously? Investigate that this week. Take care. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 